3: Mitch Moss and Polly Howard.
4: Welcome to the program. It is Follow the Money here on Vsin the Sports Betting Network. Mitch Moss in today with uh, Matt Humans, who's filling in for Pauly Howard, taking some time off as we are in downtown Las Vegas from the Circa Resort and Casino inside the glorious sportsbook here. Uh, on the program coming up today in 45 minutes, we'll try to get you some NBA winners. We'll see what Aaron Renning likes tonight. In the association and moving forward with some of these series prices. Uh, also on the show, today we have uh, Randy McKay, some NHL, Brett McMurphy on college football. And Paige Sporanek is going to be on the show, final segment. And Matt, I think that you and Paige have uh, something in common.
5: We well, both like to bet golf. What else?
4: She tweeted out yesterday, pros and cons of Arizona golf in the summer.
5: Pro, cheap, nobody's on the course. Oh yeah. Con, 115 degrees. That's not a con. That's a pro. You, so we we don't have that in common. No. Well, I, I actually played golf at Prim Valley yesterday. It was about 110. And I was the only person on the desert course on the 18 holes out there at about, I, I played from about 2 to uh, 5 30 in the afternoon. Only person. Only on the person. Yeah. It was great. Wow. I'm sure it was. It's one of the reasons why you love doing this. Loved it. I did have to go back up to the clubhouse briefly to uh, watch the end of the golf tournament and see if Garrick Higgo was actually going to close out the win. Uh, But that was a a wild finish, and I certainly didn't expect it, Uh, Mitch. I know we're going to talk about it later, but uh, that's one of those futures wins that uh, you just kind of luck into.
4: Well, congratulations to you and uh, anybody else who had Higo over the weekend. You you popped him at what fifty to one?
5: Fifty to one, and he actually okay. circa bumped him up. I think to 54, 58 to one. Yeah, and uh, he got there. I don't. I still don't know how. I yeah, watched I, the replay last night, and I still don't know how Garrett Higo won the tournament uh, yesterday in South Carolina. But he did, and I'm not going to apologize. No, no, now. I don't think so. Uh, would you want to call that
4: like a backdoor victory? For, for the young Higgo? He,
5: he was six strokes behind the leader going into Sunday.
4: Yeah.
5: And uh, Jason Headley had a four-stroke lead on whoever was second. I, I think, think it was Harris English. It was Harris English. Yeah. So that's right. And every, one by one, the contenders toppled. It was like dominoes dropping. And Garrett Higgo was just consistent. I think he went 68-69, 68-68. He did. In his four rounds. He was three under yesterday. How is a guy who's six strokes back win the tournament by only going three under on Sunday? You're not going to see that, okay? That's uh, that's why I said it was kind of a fluke. lucked into it, but I'll take it. And it's really a great story once you dive into it, because I know a lot of people have never heard of Derek Higgo until now, but he's a pretty cool story.
4: Yeah, I mean, he's in his early 20s. 22. He looks like he's uh, 10, <laughs> you know? And you're right, yeah. with all those golfers jumbled up like that, What once like... The guys at the top are coming back to the pack for one person who was six back to win it on his own and have no playoff. Crazy, really remarkable. Yeah, <laughs> that was something to wait unfolded. But you can pick winners off like that in golf, like uh, almost every single week. Uh, coming up, where we stand today in the playoffs, NBA and the NHL. Updated series prices, and it's fascinating how quickly some of these series can change. Oh, An injury, yeah. uh, a game goes back, a team goes back home. They win the next two games. That's coming up here on Follow the Money.
3: This is Brent Musburger, and here is your Sin Action Update. Now, here are the latest lines from my guys in the desert. John Rahm forced to withdraw for the memorial after three rounds with a six-shot lead due to a positive test for COVID nineteen. He says he's been cleared to play in this week's U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. He's the favorite at nine to one. Dustin Johnson fourteen to one. Bryson DeChambeau sixteen to one. He's the defending champion of the event. Brooks Kepka, eighteen to one. NHL Stanley Cup Playoffs semifinals. Vegas, a $2.80 favorite at home against Montreal, five and a half under the total. NBA Playoff action, Eastern Conference semifinals. Philadelphia, two games to one, laying three and a half at Atlanta, 225 and a half. To Be sure to check out our new betting splits feature on vcin.com before you place your next bet every day. We're posting the latest splits for games at current odds and what percentage of bets and money being placed on each game. Go to vcin.com and check out the betting splits plus live odds, line moves, and game analysis makes vcin.com the best place to visit before your next bet. With your action update, I'm Mike Sennett. Get the latest vsin odds at VSIN.com. And remember, cash and tickets is what it's all about.
4: Sunday. Coming up, obviously, it's Father's Day. It's time to get dad some great v gear. We've got hats, shirts, and mugs with the v logo or fun sports betting sayings like cash and tickets is what it's all about. And it's not under until it's over. Get your dad something he really wants this year. Visit the v store today and find the perfect gift at v slash store. You think, uh, will management be okay this week if I wear some of the v Sin shirts that I've obtained over the years to, to help promote this during the week and for Father's Day. I have a bunch of those at the house, and a lot of them I are... I think
5: you should. You, mm-hmm. you can model the shirts, and then people can see what they're going to buy if they go to the v Sin store.
4: I think it's a good idea. I yeah. think they'll be okay with that for this one week.
5: Got some cool-looking stuff. I don't have any v Sin shirts. You so, have any? No. Huh. I was never given any. And... Um... I'm not sure if they make them big enough. I, I like to wear double X or triple X shirts, and I'm not sure if they make those in the v store. The last time I stopped by the v store, which is at the South Point by the gift shop, Jimmy Vaccaro was working the cash register, and I said, Jimmy, do you have triple X shirts? And he, he had no idea.
4: Yeah, he said, uh, no, we probably uh, ran out a little yeah. while ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, I have the uh, the cin what we made it up, uh, it looks like the Van Halen logo yeah. that you can find. That's a sharp-looking
5: T-shirt. There's some good-looking shirts good. in there. Yep. Yeah. All right, so... You're going to wear one tomorrow?
4: I think I might. Okay. I think I might yank that. one out of the old uh, closet, wherever it's at. I have no idea. And uh, pop it on the air tomorrow.
5: All right, so... Dave Tooley has a V-Cent bowling shirt. Just don't wear that, okay?
4: Okay. I don't think I have one. Maybe I do. Um, updated NBA and NHL series prices, where we stand right now. Moving forward, Matt, with the uh, playoffs in these uh, two sports. It is like how, how these... Different series can change in both of them. I mean, we saw this just, I mean, last round in the NHL where Colorado looked amazing for the first game. They won game two, and then the Golden Knights came and they ripped the next four games out of their guts and said, go home, see you later. We're the better team, we're going to march on. And now in the NBA, when you have an injury, I mean, first of all, mm-hmm. the James Harden thing in game one, the Bucks must be really kicking themselves for not winning that game at this point, although they're probably feeling pretty good today. And then the, the, the Nets are up 2-0. Game two was an absolute embarrassment for Milwaukee. It looks like, okay, this is going to be a five, maybe maybe even a sweep overall, five-game series, whatever. But then the Bucks come back home. They you know eke out game three in a tough-fought game, hard-fought battle. And then game four, again, right away, like 17 minutes of playing time in for Kyrie Irving. He goes down with the injury. Doesn't look good. They win the game. They pull away in the second half. And now we're at 2-2, and I'm looking at a number right now. They're favored in Game 5 going back to Brooklyn. Uh-huh. I don't see a series price, though, here between these two teams.
5: No, I haven't seen that yet either, but it looks like the uh, Bucks are going to be favored on the road in Game uh, 5, and that's assuming, I think, that Kyrie's going to miss a game with the ankle injury. Like you said, it's amazing how quickly these series can change. We were talking about this before the show. After Game 1, Game 2, not many people gave the uh, Bucks much of a chance. I think at that point it was, uh, the Bucks might win a game or two in this series, but that's it. They just don't have the firepower. They're not good enough defensively to uh, stop the Brooklyn Nets. And one injury can completely change the series. And now the Nets have to deal with two injuries. And I've, I've said this about Brooklyn all season, is that I thought they could have two problems in the playoffs. One is that the Big Three had not played together much at all mm-hmm. the entire season. Uh, so they're trying to develop cohesiveness in the playoffs, which is never a good idea. Uh, the, the second one is... All three of those stars have been physically fragile in the past, and what if one drops by the wayside in the postseason? I certainly didn't expect two of them to fall by the wayside here in the second round. Uh, And you know what's ironic about it is the guy who blew his Achilles out and is coming back from the most serious injury is the guy who's the most reliable uh, for the Nets at this stage. Harden's down, Kyrie's down, but KD is the healthiest of the big three. At this point, and uh, Mitch, I'll say this about the Bucks: uh, We knew they were going to have to shoot the ball better when they went back to Milwaukee. Finally shot the ball a little bit better from three uh-huh. uh, last night. Uh, they were 16 for 47 from three. That's 34%. That's not great. You're not setting the nets on fire if you're the Bucks shooting 34%. But in the first three games of the series, uh, the Bucks were 22 for 89 from three-point range, 24.7%. They finally shot the ball better from three last night. They're going to have to shoot it north of 33%, I think, to win this series.
4: Agreed. By the way, I stand corrected. The I'm looking right now at DraftKings. The Bucks are up as the favorites now to win the series at DK. They are a twenty-nine yeah. favorites, and the the Nets are plus 105 at the DraftKings okay. Sportsbook.
5: Well, it makes sense because their it's 2-2, They're favorite in Game 5. Sure. They're going to be slight favorites in the series, but... Uh, I think you kind of have to wait to see what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving. Do you, are you assuming he's going to be out for Game 5? I,
4: I would think so. I mean, that looked like—has has that ever happened to you? You played a lot of basketball. Sure. I mean, that that's—how would you describe that? Are you going to be able to bounce back a couple of days later? You know, what's and-
5: interesting is you can come back from an ankle injury in a couple of days. It just depends how severe it is. And, you know, the way these guys act— you, know, you see LeBron rolling around on the floor like he's shot, and then he gets up and he's running like a deer two minutes later. Right. I, I just don't um, I don't quite believe everything I see because of their acting ability. So it wouldn't surprise me if Kyrie's back on the floor for the next game. I'll say this. A groin injury is a lot more difficult to make a back from, and that's what James Harden's trying uh-huh. to come back from. Yeah. So can Harden make it back for game five? I'm a little bit skeptical even though they say he's been on the court working out. Uh, if the Nets get one of those guys back, I still think they got a pretty good shot to win Game Five. You think so? I mean, the sure they handled the, uh, sure they the Bucks do. pretty easily in Game Two with yeah. uh, two of the big three.
4: Yeah, I think maybe even the bigger story right now in terms of uh, how this series is going, uh, betting wise. How about the totals? I mean, I anticipated like these games to sure. be you know one. Two, I think a lot of people fifty
5: points. Did. Right?
4: Yeah, sure. I mean, the Game One closing total was two thirty nine and a half. We had two hundred twenty two points. The game two closing total was two thirty eight. It fell two eleven. How about game three? Two thirty five and a half fell one sixty nine. Crazy. And then yesterday afternoon, it it, the total was two twenty and a half. It fell two o three. So from game one to game four, we've had the total move eleven points already (laughs) to the you know to the under or you know smaller number actually. And I don't think I mean that's the way the way that these two teams play basketball. The way that they played. In the regular season when they met each other, they were higher-scoring games. Totals were like in the 230s and 240s, and they had a chance to go over those numbers. And now it's just like, man, oh, man, the way that this series is going, and there's no Kyrie, I mean, probably going to continue in game number five. And uh, the total is 220 now, so think about that. How many times have we had a series in the NBA where the total from game one to game five has dropped almost 20 points?
5: I can't recall too many. I have seen a lot of playoff series over the years where the total has dropped. As you could tell, it was going to be a much more defensive-oriented series than people thought at the beginning. Uh, But that's going to be a good topic to talk uh, with Aaron Renning about in about uh, a half hour when he joins us because he's he's a guy who bets a lot of totals. I would be surprised if he has not been betting the unders in this series. He's probably ahead of the curve in terms of uh, how low-scoring this series has been the average person average joe handicapper i think and i agreed with him thought this was going to be a shootout thought this series was going to be a shootout sure. now when james harden goes down that changes things. changes your thinking a little bit on how it's going to play out but the uh, the adjustment's been dramatic
4: yep so you bet as we switch gears here to the uh, well first of all you know let me give the other series prices here that we have adjusted and we have the 76ers laying 770 against the hawks Whew. And uh, the Jazz are minus one ninety five now, down two games to up two games to one against the Clippers. And the Clip joint they're plus one fifty five.
5: Well, there are a couple things to talk about there. One is how quickly is that Sixers series changed? Oh man, the Hawks win game one on the road. Uh, we were able to bet the Sixers anywhere from minus one hundred five to minus one thirty before game two on the series price. And now look where the series price is. Yeah. Uh, once again. I don't think Danny Green has missed at all. Right, he shouldn't have been playing the minutes he was playing. Doc Rivers, I thought, made a coaching mistake there. How, how was how much was Danny Green missing uh, game three?
4: I mean, well, you know what? Thank goodness that uh, you know they kind of figured this out and said that other guys need to be playing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like you called that right away after game one. You were baffled at how much playing time he was getting and playing. You know, trying to this didn't make sense. Right, defend. And I know he's
5: tall. But how, how do we know their team better than Doc Rivers? Strange. strange. Huh? It, it is. It shouldn't happen. Yep. Yep. And And the
4: Sixers are laying three points in the game tonight. Right.
5: And then in the uh, Jazz Clippers series, I think the Jazz have serious concerns because Mike Conley has not been able to play. And now Donovan Mitchell is dealing with that ankle injury that is recurring. And he he said he was in a lot of pain at the end of Game 3. He still had a phenomenal uh, game. Donovan Mitchell's been lights out, man. He is... You can't... um, you can't knock his performance at all. Talk about a guy who's on a bad ankle doing what he's doing. Uh, but he's not going to be able to carry this team know. on a bad ankle through the rest of the series, and they're going to need Mike Conley to come back. I don't what? know if that's going to happen.
4: I cannot, be, I, I cannot believe the referee in the NBA uh, last night in that uh, Nuggets-Suns game. It was embarrassing. I, I can't believe that he ejected uh, the MVP. You're absolutely right. That's the only word that you can really use, and Adam Silver cannot be happy about that today. Uh, How do you toss anybody, let alone, and I look, I don't like star treatment in the NBA. I never have back to when I was 10 years old. I'm like, why does Michael Jordan get every single call in the NBA? It seems Mm. weird to me. He's already so good. He doesn't need the help. Right. So I don't like the star treatment, but how do you make that call? How how do you, and I get it, like there was a lot of force behind the swipe. You you can't kick up a player like that of a, a playoff series and say you're you're gone buddy get out of here that's absurd. You don't kick any
5: player out. No, that. I don't care if it's the MVP or PJ Tucker. You don't yeah. you're going to kick him out of the game and that's just it's sad that the um the ref show sometimes takes over in uh, the NBA and baseball and the NFL but we saw it last night and it definitely should not happen in the playoffs. You want to boot a guy in a regular season game go ahead. Sure. You do not do it in a playoff game like this and I don't know. Adam Silver, I guess, got to be the guy to step in and say, look, you can't do stuff like yep, that. Yeah, he has to.
4: <laughs> that was nuts. And the Suns, and I liked him in the series, didn't bet him because the number was a little bit too high, but mm-hmm. uh, it turned out it wasn't, actually. And they took care of that team in four games. Man, what a series. You
5: know, one, uh, one thing I'll say about that, in Game 3, I thought the Nuggets would show a lot more fight yep. after uh, Michael Malone said they quit in Game 2. Yep. Did you see some of the... Cases on defense where the Nuggets showed no effort whatsoever in Game 3 where they left three-point shooters wide open and guys were just standing around on defense, not even running out to get a hand in the face of a shooter. I thought the Nuggets' defensive effort in Game 3 was uh, was an embarrassment to the franchise. And uh, as, as a coach, I think you have to look at your roster and say, uh-huh. look at these guys out here in a playoff game who are not putting out effort. you got to remake your roster. You, sure. you keep Jamal Murray in the MVP and then... Uh, Michael Porter, probably, yeah. and you go from there. Sure. I mean,
4: w- once he actually... can have guys ca- quitting in the he, playoffs. He called the team out after Game 2, and then we saw that on Game 3 on Friday night, how right. it played out. That was disgusting. How do you... You're exactly right. They're going to have to go to the drawing board and say... I would watch the film with all the players and say, look at this. Look at what happened in the first quarter of this game. Right. I had Nuggets first quarter. I had to turn the game off.
5: Uh, I felt like... It was vomit-inducing. Ap- I felt like apologizing to, to the listeners. We talked about... On the show on Friday, how you had to trust the spot and play the Nuggets in the first quarter. And I watched that, and I said, this is embarrassing. Oh this is an God. embarrassing effort. How, after your coach calls you out for quitting, and you're going home down two zero in the playoffs, do you guys quit in game three? Totally unacceptable. That was, but the Clippers came through if you played the same angle, barely.
4: Yeah, right, 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 absolutely. Uh, are you feeling pretty good today about your Islanders series bet plus 250? I'm
5: feeling pretty good about it, yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay, that's a good start. Randy McKay liked that one on Twitter. He'll join us coming up later yep. on in the show today, see if he likes anything in the game tonight. And uh, also moving forward, look, I spent a couple of minutes here on recapping the UFC. I mean, how how good was Lufin and Carl over the week? I mean... He came on our show. I think it was last Wednesday. He was on other shows here on vsin He was saying he was telling people, "Run, don't walk to the window to bet Moreno." Mm-hmm. And when like Bill eighty sends out the vsin newsletter every single day with updated bets on Saturday, I, I had I stared at the email like ten times, just like kind of in awe of Lou because almost everything everything that he said, with the exception, I think one fight cashed, mm-hmm. and they were all dogs, every one of them. For example, Moreno, it was sent out plus 205. I think I got plus 185 on Moreno in that fight. Um, and inside the distance, Lou liked that as well for a smaller unit play. No, that
5: was his best call on the card. Oh, absolutely. And he was very it was. strong. He sent a text to me last week. He told us, bet Moreno now. And at that point, he was around plus 190. And uh, Lou nailed that one, man. Yeah, he got that one. That was dead on Yeah. Uh, with that call.
4: Got that one. He had Craig. Plus two thirty for a half a unit against Hill. Pop the arm. Oh, oh wow. good God! <laughs> had that. Had Riddell against Dober, and Riddell was plus money. His loser was Stewart against, um, at Anders, and he also did have a Murray via decision at plus two dollars. Mm-hmm.
5: And he also liked uh, Israel Adesanya in he the did. in the main event. And uh, he called that correctly as well. Lou doesn't come in on many big favorites, but when he comes in on a favorite like that, it gives you more confidence to say, "Hey, this guy's probably going to deliver." And out of you did deliver. Uh, Marvin Vittori was a little bit outclassed in that fight, but um, I thought he put up a, I thought he put up a pretty good uh, showing for the most part. I know a lot of people said it was a route mm-hmm. and it wasn't much of a fight. Uh, I'll, I'll say this. And I didn't like the way Adesanya was mocking Vittori at the end of the fight and kind of acting like a clown. You're not as bad as you think you are if a guy just stood toe-to-toe with you in a cage for 25 minutes and he walks away at the end standing tall. Marvin Vittori didn't get knocked out. He had like six minutes of control time. Uh, Yeah, he was the lopsided loser in the fight. But what are you doing mocking the guy when he just went 25 minutes with you and you couldn't put him away? Sure, sure. Yeah.
4: No, absolutely. Something to be said for that, no doubt. But that was, I mean, what a performance by Lou Finacaro.
5: So great good. job, Lou. And Lou has oh. been, we talked about this before the show, you and I, since last April when the UFC took the stage, Lou has been uh, lights out. He's been uh, consistently cranking out winners in the UFC. Yeah, and when you do that with dogs,
3: yeah.
4: I mean, you have a chance to, like, stay above water the entire time when they keep coming in like this. And he he's great at picking out which ones are going to, be there in cash at the very end. It's U.S. Open Week. We'll discuss some of our bets that we made to this point. Recent U.S. form, recent form at Torrey Pines, all coming up.
5: Hey, don't wait days for your winnings. Cash out instantly with BetRivers' phenomenal feature, Rush Pay. Get your cash when you want it at BetRivers Sportsbook. The industry leader with exclusive bets, daily specials, odds boost, and the most in-play betting options out there. As always, get $250 in a match bonus, fastest payouts, and only one-time playthrough at BetRivers, your hometown sportsbook. Offer valid in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Virginia, Michigan, and Pennsylvania, available at playsugarhouse.com. .com in New Jersey, not valid in Iowa, BetRivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com.
4: All right, it is major week, U.S. Open week to be exact. And, Matt, you are headed down to Torrey Pines in San Diego later on in the week. You're going to be there on Friday and then uh, throughout the weekend. uh, You are the Vegas Hammer this year when it comes to betting golf. What is it now, six, seven outrights?
5: Six. Six Six on the PGA Tour since uh, January and uh, five (laughs) runner-ups. Jesus. Is that right? Yeah, in the last three weeks, I've had two winners and a runner-up, uh, but uh, it's it's I can't complain about the runner-ups. You're going to have a couple. Yeah, sure, you're not going to win uh, it every week. Yeah, it, it's it's hard to win these things. Just as a player, it's hard to win any tournament. As a better, it's hard to win these futures. But, um, yeah, I hit the sixth one yesterday, and I've had a 50-to-1, 60-to-1, and a 70-to-1 in there. So we've uh, managed to hit some long shots. Wes Reynolds is having a great year as well. Brady Cannon had a winner last week, so... You know, you and I were talking about this last week. Golf betting is unique because it's the only thing you can play on the futures board. And and you can bet a long shot on Wednesday and cash it on Sunday. Uh You know, I've spent a lot of time messing around with college basketball futures. Sometimes very profitable. Sometimes we spend five months, you know, messing around for nothing. Uh, And in golf, you can can play a 50-to-1 shot on Wednesday and you can be cashing the ticket on Sunday night. And I think... Uh, you know, you can bet matchups and top fives and top tens and other other things as well. But the futures board is, I think, what really attracts a lot of people to golf betting mm-hmm. because there's just nothing else where you can cash a a big ticket like that in the span of uh, four or five days.
4: No doubt. So, what matters most to you <clears throat> this week? Like, is it? Are we talking about like recent stats, shots gained on? You know, we talked about that last yeah. week with Colin Morikawa. His iron game is like by far and away right now the best in the entire sport. Um, Does U.S. Open history play into this at all with you, or is that a stupid question?
5: That's not a dumb question at all. In fact, you you, you got to look at uh, course history. You have to look at U.S. Open history as well in kind of a combination because the USGA sets these courses oh, up yes. yeah. to make them incredibly challenging. So uh, you got to look at guys who've been able to handle USGA-type setups in the past. But you also want to play guys who've uh, got positive course history at Torrey Pines. And you have to keep in mind, I was looking at this last night because I'm writing a uh, column on this for the New York Post and for the Point Spread Weekly Magazine. And it's it's interesting that uh, – I'll give you a couple numbers here. Colin Morikawa is one of the guys I like a lot this week. I bet him 24 to 1. Indy Jeff Seeley is going to be on with, him this week, on with us this week, and I know he likes him too. Uh, but Morikawa – it's interesting cuz he won the PGA last year. We don't re- <clears throat> we don't really know how he's going to how his game's going to transfer to a US Open setup or Tory Pines specifically. But I know this. These two stats indicate that uh, Morikawa is probably going to be a pretty good play this week. He ranks first on the PGA Tour in greens and regulation percentage, 72%. He also ranks first on tour in strokes gained tee to green. His iron play is probably the best in the world right now. What you have to do with Torrey Pines is avoid the rough, Mitch. I don't know if you've seen any of the videos this week, but you throw a golf ball into the rough and the ball disappears. Uh It's going to be a severe rough, and it could be carnage for some players out there who if you don't keep it in the fairway, you're going to be in trouble. Morikawa typically keeps it in the fairway. Like I said, uh, that stat I was talking about right there with Morikawa, uh, greens and regulation percentage seventy two. That's number one on tour. If he can play like that this week, sure. Uh, I think he's going to be in pretty good shape. And he's one thing about uh, Morikawa, his putter sometimes is a little inconsistent. Uh, and that's I, been one of his problems. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. Uh, but he actually putted pretty well, except for the, the the last putt he missed at the Memorial a couple weeks ago. He he gained strokes putting in that tournament. Uh, so. Obviously, there's always a little bit of guesswork involved, but you want to look at guys who have played well at Tory, who can handle USG setu- USGA setups, and uh, believe it or not, Xander Shoffley is one of those guys again. I know
4: it. Uh, he's Je- gonna- yeah. He'll be on my card this week.
5: He's on my card. Indy Jeff's going to have him. I think Brady Cannon's going to have him. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of things to talk about with Shoffley, but <clears throat> I can tell you his uh, major history. How about this? Oh, hold on. Save it. Okay. Save it. Save it. Save Shaw Play's history because we, we need to spend some. We need to
4: spend some more time on this coming up next. Uh, it's too good, and we'll get into again some of the recent form and the bets we have made so far in the U.S. Open. That's coming up next here on College Money. Trader.com studio at Circo Resort and Casino, trader.com. Download the free OddsTrader app right now. Start winning with up to the second info that you need with real-time bet tracking, and you can compare sportsbook signup bonuses at OddsTrader.com. So we're talking U.S. Open. Matt's going to be there a little bit later on in the week, going down to Tory Pines in San Diego. Uh, you just cashed out with Higo over the weekend at 50-1, to 1, mm-hmm. and uh, that is your sixth outright winner since uh, January, which is incredible. Is that? You, do you think that might be the most you've ever had at this point of the year? It was
5: about three years ago. I had a very similar type of year, but yeah, that's uh, it's, it it's probably great. matches the best because, like I said, it's hard to hit these things. It man. is. You yeah. have to have luck. Uh, ball's got to bounce your way, and like yesterday, I probably didn't deserve the cash on Garritano, but he got there. And early in the season, I had a couple that I thought I deserved to win, and I well, ended up second. Yeah. you know, so you're not going to complain when you hit something like this, but. Uh, It's very frustrating to finish second when uh, you're betting golf futures, but I guess uh, I had one break my way yesterday.
4: What did you find on Shoffley in in your research that you were doing getting ready for the tournament?
5: Uh, The thing, oh, Shoffley finished um, tied for second at the Farmers Insurance Open in January. Okay, so a lot of times we look at Shoffley and we we kind of um, emphasize where he came up short. Because he hasn't won in a year and a half. And this is a guy that a lot of sharp golf bettors like this guy. It's not just me and you. Jeff Sherman at the Westgate yeah, I mean, plays him all the time. There are a lot of sharp golf bettors that like him. Uh, but he has been in a uh, in a drought in terms of finding the winner's circle. But I went back and looked at the Farmers Insurance Open in, in January, and he finished tied for second. Patrick Reed, Fat Pat, ran away with it. But what's different about the U.S. Open and the Farmers is that they play one round on the north course at Torrey Pines and the Farmers. This is going to be all on the south course at the U.S. Open. And uh, I believe uh, Xander Shoffley was one stroke better than Patrick Reed on the three rounds on the south course.
4: Ah, interesting. Okay. So he
5: actually, I think, played the south course better than anyone in January, which got to mean something for the U.S. Open this week. And again, when you look at Shoffley – in majors he has uh, he's made 16 career major starts he's finished in the top 10 of 8 of the crazy. 16 50% in the top 10 that is crazy uh six times he's finished in the top 5 how about this his worst finish in four US Opens 6th place
4: i ha- i mean matt he has finished it's now four top 6s in a row for him at the US Open right four top 6s in a row <laughs> That's crazy. When the course for the U.S. Open, like you talked about mm-hmm. 10 minutes ago, is always difficult. Yeah. And they would prefer, like, the winner to be around 5-under in that neighborhood. They don't want—and this is why I love the U.S. Open, right? Mm-hmm. It's because usually we don't have a guy who's going to post a 17-under for the weekend. Like, right. they go out there and they struggle, man. It's yeah. difficult.
5: Yeah, if you look at the past uh, U.S. Open winning scores, sometimes the score's been above par. Yeah, right, right. You know, so— uh, there's a lot of debate what it's going to be this week. Paul Stone's going to be on with us, I think, tomorrow to talk some uh, golf and college football. Paul told me he thinks a winning score might be around seven under this okay. week. We'll see if he, his uh, opinion has changed. I was thinking more like uh, nine or ten, but when I saw the rough at Torrey Pines, I said, "Okay, this is going to be yeah, difficult. it's going to be more of a challenge than uh, the typical Farmers Insurance Open by far." So, Colin Morikawa, Xander Schauffele. I'm sure Indy Jeff is gonna make a really strong case for Brooks Kepka and and you can and Majors Brooks Kepka is he has crushed the competition. Uh, if you uh, look at strokes gained over the past uh, four or five years. Yep Who else it, is on your radar this week.
4: Okay. Well I have Kepka twenty to one. I bet him uh it's a May, good number.
5: It's a good number, no doubt about it. Uh
4: Kepka six straight top tens in the US open from twenty fourteen to twenty nineteen, didn't play last year, two wins. And four top fours for Brooksy, DJ five top sixes since 2014. He won it in 2016. Ustahsen uh, a second, third, and a seventh in the U.S. Open since 2015. Mm-hmm. How about Torrey Pines form? The favorite this week is John Rahm. Five straight top thirties, one win, a second, a fifth, and a seventh at Torrey Pines, the Farmers uh, Insurance Open. Mm-hmm. Finau has that's a That's why good, he's
5: the favorite. Exactly
4: right. right. Finau has a good track history here. He does. Patrick Reed, Bubba Watson, Justin Rose have all played well at Torrey Pines. Mm-hmm. And I took a flyer. Re- I found Mark Leishman at 85-1 to 1 yesterday.
5: He runs well here at Torrey Pines. He won the Farmer's Insurance Open two years ago, right?
4: I believe that's when he, yeah, I think that was the year he did it.
5: That was the day that Kobe died in the uh, helicopter crash on that Sunday, the final round. Mark Leishman won that thing at uh, long odds.
4: That happened on the same day, huh?
5: Yeah, I was out oh. there walking the course. At Torrey Pines, and you would start to get text messages. Hey, Kobe died. And you're like, what? Well, what kind well, of come prank on, is this? That? That, sure. that didn't happen. That was kind of, it was a weird day. Remember when Tiger Woods was informed of it when he was walking off the 18th? That's hole? right. Yeah. That's right. That was yeah. that day, huh? Mm. That was two years ago at Torrey Pines.
4: Well, I phoned 85 to one here in town yesterday, and circa had 73 to one. And circa they they do <clears throat> such a great job with like moving the numbers during the week. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Leachman by Wednesday could be 92 to one here. At Circa, but I just I saw him at 85 and I'm like, maybe he doesn't go the other way, so I took the eighty-five that I saw yesterday. Yeah.
5: Uh Jeff that's... Davis here at Circa does he stays on top of this stuff. Oh, yeah. And he moves these numbers. Uh last week I saw Garrett Higgo at 50 to 1 here. We always talk about circa's, you know, typically got the best numbers you're gonna find on long shot players. I I found Higgo fifty to one elsewhere. I happen to be at that book, so I bet him. And then I look at the Circa app the next day, and he goes like fifty-four to one or fifty-eight to one. Here. Sure. I was like, okay. Yep. <laughs> I'm also on uh, Max Homa at a hundred and two to one. He's been playing some pretty decent golf. Cashed at the Genesis yeah. in Los Angeles at seventy to one. Was that in February? Yeah. Yeah.
4: And uh, I took Sam Burns at two hundred to one. Hmm. Uh, these are like pizza money bets that I have on Burns and Homa. Nothing real serious here at those numbers. But I noticed like Burns is way down below like 200 some yeah. spots. And in fact, he's too good to be at that number. Right. And he's been playing like he's had a great, what is he? Top. I think he's top five right now on the FedEx leaderboard. Well, for this about year.
5: a six week stretch, Sam Burns, I thought, was right up there among the best players on tour. He had a chance to win about four tournaments. But then he had an injury and uh, it's kind of cooled off a little bit. You know, you get peaks and valleys sure. for players. You got to try to predict when they're going to peak. Yeah. It doesn't seem like Sam Burns is peaking uh, right now. He's already peaked. But, again, he, he's a really talented guy to get at that number.
4: Yeah, and I saw like 75 not seventy five to 1 in other books on Sam Burns. So I saw 200 to 1, and I'm like, oh, let me put a little bit of money on him because he's, mm-hmm. like you said, has had a really good run here lately. And maybe he did peak, and maybe he, you know— is not in contention this week, but at that number, I think I'd take a little bit of a flyer on him. That's why some, like we talk about this all the time. Some of the numbers here in Circa are so attractive; I know. it's tough to like. I don't even like to look sometimes because some, someone's going to pop later on this week. That's going to be 180 to one. I'm like, how is that guy 180 to one? I you told
5: know? you, I bet Ricky Fowler. I had sure. no plans to bet Ricky Fowler before the PGA, right? Yep. But I had instincts were telling me, well, he's probably going to play well this week. I looked at the Circa app the night before the tournament. He's 190-1. <laughs> to one. Crazy! So I said, okay, I got to bet it. Okay. Aaron Renning on the show coming up next. We'll see what he likes tonight
4: in the NBA and if any series prices are appealing at this point.
5: Join the action on DraftKings, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Just download the app and use promo code VSIN when you sign up to compete for cash prizes each week. Don't wait. Sign up now. The new customers get a deposit bonus of up to $500. That's code VSIN when you sign up. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER or an Indiana 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Must be 18 or older. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Again, promo code V-CIN.
4: right, professional sports better Aaron Redding joins the program now. It is follow the money on VSIN, the sports betting network. Yara, thanks for the time. It's always good to talk to you. We were talking about this in the first segment of today's program. Like, it's isn't it funny the way that these series can just flip, like after a game or two, and the the narrative changes? Look no further than the Nets and the Bucks. I mean, the the Bucks were dead to rights after Game Two. They got embarrassed, and now all of a sudden they tied up after they go back home, win two straight, and Kyrie Irving goes down. And now they're favored to win the series, and they're favored in Game Five.
7: Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. Absolutely, Mitch. Uh, I mean, I bet uh, I, I bet the Bucks to win the series. The pre-flop uh, before Game One. Uh, after game two, I said that that might be the worst bet that I've made all season. <laughs> and, and yeah I mean it was kind of crazy because you remember, I, I, I mean, I got a good price. I got like over two dollars on the bucks uh, before the series started. And then even after game one, you know I could still scalp out of it if, if I wanted to, um, because yeah. it was, you know, nobody could really understand uh, that price. but obviously after game two, Um, It looked like Brooklyn was going to run away and hide with the series, but you know I tell you what, guys. You know the really, if you go back, probably the last handful of years, whether it's injuries or maybe even a suspension, has really dictated, maybe decided a lot of these big NBA series uh, in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And and certainly, you know, you you talk about it this year. You know, of course, with Harden and, and Kyrie right now, but. You know, if Anthony Davis doesn't get hurt, I mean, Phoenix Suns probably or certainly weren't favored to come out of that series against the Lakers. Uh, You know, Jamal Murray obviously hurt for Denver, killed their chances. Uh, You know, Conley and Mitchell dealing with Utah. You know, going back to last year, Miami lost all chance with injuries against the Lakers. Uh, So uh, it's crazy. But with that said, you certainly can't be surprised that um, Harden or Kyrie are hurt uh, Mm -hmm. in this series. Um, it you know, that's what's going to make this game five just absolutely hard to handicap really at this point, be leading up to the game. Uh, you know, t- honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Harden and Kyrie both play, whether they finish, that would be, um, uh, that would be a, a question, but at-, at the same time it could go the other direction where both don't play and Kevin Durant gets hurt. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that <laughs> scenario uh, as well. So feel like maybe uh, I'll get lucky and back into a Bucs series winner. I think the Bucs would be happy to see uh, the Nets go down. But, you know, even after game four, and even after the Bucks have won the last two games, offensively, it still just continues to be a disaster for this Bucks team. The offensive rating uh, in the four games so far for the Bucks: 103, 91, 90, and 105. I mean, the NBA average uh, certainly about you know, in the one teens for that. And, you know, the, yesterday the pace wasn't too bad and, and still uh, just not much scoring in this series. I mean, you know, the first game total, 240. Now I see 220 uh, for game five. Obviously, you really have to account for Kyrie uh, in that equation. I mean, and again, you, you watch the box, and, you know, certainly start with Giannis making a free throw. Don't shoot three-pointers. You see how they... They can improve offensively, um, you know, remaining in this series, but, you know, do you trust this team and Budenholzer to figure it out and do that? Now, I feel like they have done some things better offensively, at least team-wise, uh, but still, certainly against the Brooklyn team, uh, all cylinders, I, I wouldn't like the Bucks' chance.
5: Yeah, we were talking about the Bucks' three-point shooting, 16 for 47 in Game, three, 30, or game 4. Uh, that's 34%, and that's... A big improvement for the Bucks in this series. They were shooting about less than 25% in the first three games from three. Uh, do you think the Bucs are on to something here uh, with P.J. Tucker trying to get physical with uh, KD? Because Kevin Durant actually 9 for 25 from the field in uh, game four. He was 20 for 53 in the, in the two losses in Milwaukee. And it looked like uh, P.J. Tucker might have uh, thrown him off. We know Durant's a thin-skinned guy. Uh, is PJ Tucker getting physical with K D maybe a smart move by the Bucks or is that overreacting?
7: Uh and Giannis four twenty one from three yeah, right. in the series so far. But, you know, it, it it's always uh touchy and you never know how it's gonna be called, uh, let's be honest. Uh, you know, on their home court, the Bucks home court, Tucker probably get away with that uh a lot more than he would. Uh, at Brooklyn, so that probably comes into the equation. Um, also, with that said, I mean you can clearly see after Kyrie got hurt, I mean it wasn't just Tucker, but they were able to build a wall uh, against Kyrie. So, or I'm sorry, against KD. E, yeah. uh, he, yeah, he just had kind of nowhere to go. So, I mean that's just the thing. Um, obviously, uh, without the other, the big two here. Uh, you know, he, he didn't shoot well from the field and the Bucks can kind of load up with him, and that's just where you're at. I mean, this is a Nets team uh, with essentially, you know, basically a handful of guys that shouldn't be starting NBA uh, surrounding them.
5: Mitch, uh, yeah. that game's tomorrow night. That's Tuesday night. Right now, Bucks two-and-a-half point road favorites in most spots. Mm-hmm. I think, like E.R. said, I, I have... I sense the one more of the big three, I think one of those guys is going to come back. Harden or Kyrie, one of those guys is going to play tomorrow night. Like he said, who knows what they'll finish, but sure. I, th- I think we're going to see two of the big three on the floor.
4: That would be my guess at this point as well. ER, uh, how are you looking at this uh, Atlanta game tonight against Philadelphia? Now, this is kind of the opposite where the total here keeps going up uh, uh, on a game-by-game basis, but... Uh, you know, the NBA is a popular betting sport with the public, and I'm guessing there isn't going to be a single public better that's going to say, give me the Hawks tonight. So maybe this line goes up from where it's at right now. How do you uh, look at this, and how do you break it down, and who, which side would you want to be on here tonight?
7: You know, Friday's game, I think, closed, what, Philadelphia? One-and-a-half, two-point favorite. And usually with the zigzag theory, generally, they don't go this way. Uh, and, yeah, obviously, if you've watched the last two games, you can understand that. To a pretty good degree. I mean, you know, the biggest thing is right now the Hawks don't have many answers uh, defensively. You're not going to stop MB uh, as it is. And really, you know, you have to remember Philadelphia, the second best defensive team in the NBA this year, the Hawks all the way down to 21st. Now they did improve uh, in the second half of the season, but you look from a personnel perspective, and certainly the loss of Hunter hurts, doesn't really matter who you have in the middle, whether it's Capella or whoever, uh, you're not going to stop MB. But, you know, Collins, Young, Bogdanovich, Gallinari, Lou Williams, Herder—I mean, those guys are minus defenders. So, and, and the, the size is obviously hurting them. But, you know, with that said, uh, Philadelphia shot uh, 58% from the field on Friday, 10 of 21 from three. I don't think they could duplicate that. Of course, the Hawks shot 26%. Uh, of course, the Simmons guarding Trey Young uh, has been the difference uh, these last two games, which. Um, Certainly isn't surprising for anybody watching the games that it would be. Now, you know, with the game in Atlanta, that could be rest a little bit differently. Uh, You get Simmons maybe in some foul trouble with that. But I think what you have to remember here is the Hawks were awesome Uh, after the coaching change. The best team in the NBA in the second half, certainly against the spread. Uh, This is a team that had won 13 straight games on their home court before they did get bounced out uh, on Friday. So. Um, I'm going to lean here, and, and at this point, I see some three and a half. So I'm probably going to wait for four. But uh, looking to play Atlanta, you know, guys, Capella from a plus-minus ratio in their two losses, minus thirty-seven plus-minus. Uh, quite honestly, you know what what I think a, a team should do and what the coach is going to do are two different things. I just I'd pretty much throw Capella out at this point. Just go small. Make this, you know. Get this game as much pace as possible. Mm-hmm. Get Embiid running up and down the court and make it a three-point shooting contest because that's pretty much the way Atlanta's uh, road to having any chance in this series is really.
5: That's pretty I good like point. It. Good angle. Sixers won one twenty-seven to one eleven on Friday. Now three and a half point favorites in a lot of spots, and I'm with them. I would uh, lean to the home dog here, catching the three and a half, especially if that goes to four. Uh, we forgot to ask: Have you been betting the B- uh, Bucks Nets? games under the total. Have you been uh, ahead of the curve on playing those under?
7: I haven't been, unfortunately. Okay. In fact, game game two, I bet the over, and some of that, you know, if you'd watch Harden play with this team, um, you know, he really bogs the bogged the pace down so much uh, for the Nets, and I thought with Kyrie beating the lead guard, you'd see more pace. There was just no pace uh, in that game, too. Now the pace is... Even with the low scores, the pace hasn't been that bad. Yesterday, mm-hmm. Uh, in that game, 203 possessions. Normally, uh, that would certainly get you with these two teams in the 230. Yeah, so, right. Uh, it really just has been the, the defense or the non shot making.
4: Yeah, ER, quickly, we have like 30 seconds here. Do you have any opinion on the uh, Jazz Clippers game at this point where the Clippers are lane five? Total is 224.
7: Uh, you know, I lean towards Utah. That's kind of who I, I uh, lean towards in this series. I thought. Uh, the Jazz, some of their parts was maybe still a little bit better than the individual play for the Clippers. You know, the Clippers really went to that small ball in game three. Zubach, 13 minutes. Cousins, zero minutes. Uh, really uh, disappointed the, uh, the course Clippers to outscore them in the paint, 44 to 32. I think uh, Utah can turn that around here. However, you know, Utah has such, such that strong home court. Uh, I'm not sure if it's better to wait here and maybe they get beaten. And then go back to Game Five and bet Utah, but uh, I, I do lean here towards uh, the Jazz plus a handful of points tonight. All right,
4: pal. Good talking to you as always. Good luck with your bets tonight. Okay. All right. Thanks. Good luck to you guys. Yep. There you go. Follow him on Twitter. He is at er sports one. Aaron, running professional sports better. Waiting to see if the Sixers will go up to four in this game.
5: whole get... dog interested me there too. I don't think I would look to play the Jazz. I think I'm going to stay away from that probably. I think I am, too. It looks like that's going to be a home court type of series, unlike the uh, Clippers-Mavericks in the first round, right. where it's a road team series. Uh-huh. It, it, it feels like the home team is uh, the side to play in that. I do kind of like the Hawks tonight, getting the getting the four if it, it goes, if it goes there.
4: there. Yeah, we'll update you on the uh, playoff numbers for tonight coming up next.